Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, Valeli and Richard chatting it up again about a great many things, including where are all of those one-handed, one-eyed Christians at? A quick visit from a mystery guest. Rich finds out he has a strange lack of visual mental imagery figuring out a way to use all those wasted hours of human capacity, and we take a peek into history to find the first rock and roll song. <laughs> Holy smoke. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, Batten down the hatches and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody, to another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 126. Here we are again. It's a bright, smoky day here in Southern California. Across the table, we sits Mr. Daniele Bolelli. Yes, indeed. Let's get rolling with episode 126. Let's first say thank you to our sponsor. You know, speaking of our sponsors, I'm looking across the table here. That is a mighty fine hoodie you got going there. Where would a fella find that? I mean, that looks like that's not made out of cotton. It might be made out of something different. You are correct, my dear friend. That's Susara Hamp. Uh, yeah, I love the hoodie. I've uh, yeah, because I always bring up the bags and the backpacks and all that stuff, which is kind of the bulk of the Datsusara stuff, and yeah. it's great. And that's what we carry all the time. Rich just walked in with the Datsusara backpack, but the hoodies are awesome. They have a few other items like some clothing. Some the, I think uh, Chris started this thing of um, leash and harness for dogs made of hemp. I love that. So I need to look into I just saw the news. I didn't really get to check it out yet. They do they do a bunch of things. So check out dsgear.com. Uh D as it the letter D, not the T H E. And um check them out. They have great stuff. Also, speaking of great stuff, there's behind me on the counter, there's an infinite supply of Onnit product that both me and Savannah consume religiously. Uh, from alpha brain to protein powders to uh, one that I heard, uh, I need to try it. Uh, that one I haven't tried yet. Shroom Tech, the one for uh, sports. Apparently, like lots of friends of mine say in jujitsu, like give them crazy stamina where really? they don't get tired. Oh, I thought it was a recovery thing. There are two. There's oh. one Shroom Tech is like a immunosystem supporting kind of thing. Another one is more sport driven and it's about stamina. And several people are like, Hey man, this is really working well for me. Till so, mushroom pops out of your forehead. Right, that's the next. The, <laughs> so check them out. Lots of great stuff at Onnit. And, and of course, sure design t-shirts with the greatest t-shirts on the planet. Having said all this, let's get rolling.
Brothers and sisters, put your hands together. It's time for Father Bellelli to instruct us on how to deconstruct the Bible a little bit further. You know, I use the lessons I've learned over the past, well, shit, since I read... Uh, 50 things, yeah. You're not supposed to know about yeah. religion, which yeah. that's what started all this craziness. I still love that. Um, the whole uh, Roy Moore, Doug Jones thing, yeah. which I think I called somebody Roy Jones a couple times. Right. By Roy Jones oh, Jr. Yeah, I wonder how that Roy happened. Jones Jr. is a lot better, but... Yeah, yeah. apparently he either won or lost uh, the Alabama Senate the other day, depending yeah. on how I messed it up. But um, yeah, I was emboldened uh, when you see this crazy, you know, 1.4 million people, 10,000 votes deciding it. Yep. Your vote counts, even though it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Um, but to, to, to make some queries to some of uh, my more Bible-leaning friends out there in the Facebook world. And the question was simply this. What do we call these creatures who clutch their Bibles so tight but don't have a Christy bone in their bodies? They don't care about the downtrodden. They think that's no problem for the pastor. They have the most opulent 50-story mansion in the world. These people are misguided, and if they would follow the rules they claim to follow, we would have an incredible country. You but know, they do not. They I'm, hate. I'm going to make sure to properly tackle that i will do one maybe next time we do one where i'll dig out all the uh, jesus speeches about wealth because it's interesting because it really raises the question of how exactly you can make hardcore capitalism and christianity go hand in hand and usually you know i don't i'm not telling people one is better than the other i'm just saying point to the fact that do don't seem to flow very well with one another because the message in one is not but we'll play with that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Today, went, though, I want today I wanted to play with the New Testament one. Ooh. I think because we are, I mean, not that we're really running out of Old Testament stuff, but we got all the juicier things. So I'll jump for a change in a New Testament thing. And this is a weird one because nobody knows what to make of this because there are some quotes attributed to Jesus regarding sex. Now, Jesus basically doesn't talk about sex in the new, ever. You know, it's not a topic. It doesn't really show up. So it's one of those things where how does a sex become such a big deal in the history of Christianity, considering that Jesus hardly has anything to say. He doesn't have anything to say because a man had a good game. Well, but that's a thing. He didn't have any trouble. He didn't have to brag. So... Nothing there. Right. A, a gentleman in his approach. Absolutely. Well, there's one, the only one of the few passages where Jesus hints at the topic is a super disturbing one, because depending on how you read it, it can mean very different thing. I'm going to sit down for this one. Some people, well, let me first read or tell you what it says, and then we'll try to unpack it to figure out what exactly he means, because the, the surface reading is fairly horrendous. So let's see if there's a different meaning that we can pick that or not but basically uh, in Matthew 5 uh, 29 and 30 Jesus recommends that in order to avoid the sin we better cut off your hands and pluck out your eyes that that's preferable to uh, to committing sin so one of the things like there's this line that he said earlier where he said for I tell you unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of God and then he talks about a couple of things, but when he brings up lust, he says the following. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, 
tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, well, that's a Louis C.K. problem, apparently. Absolutely. Yeah. Cut it off and throw it away. So Louis C.K. next time will be with like just his left hand holding the mic because that is safe. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Okay, so let's. Boy, I don't know. I uh, that's a that's a tough choice right there. I think I'll take the uh, sins of the flesh as long as they're not criminal. Yeah, let's unpack that a little because that's disturbing as hell, right? The um, what is seen there? I mean, on, on one end, it's pretty much the most awful message you could possibly give in regard, like this notion that there's something inherently wrong with what in Christianity they would refer to as lust, right? That sexual pleasure, there's something inherently wrong with it. And that, I mean, literally the guy is suggesting that you start chopping yourself to pieces rather than, uh, because as a, and by the way, the funny thing about it is that of course that doesn't make any sense because he's just saying that if you just look at somebody with lustful intent, you have already committed a sin. All of this starts in the brain. It's not your hands, it's not your eyes, it's not anything else. It no, starts it's your with reptilian core that's built that wants to, to sex. Scan- of yes. course, of course. And so that's what, and there's even a passage where he seemed to draw in the logical conclusion from this. He seemed to be giving the thumbs up to self-castration. In uh, Matthew nineteen twelve. he says, there are some eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Basically, you know, if this is something that you can pull off, by all means. And last but not least, under this no sex vibe, there's in Matthew 22, um, 23, 30, there's a speech that where he basically says that in heaven there will be no marriage, there will be no sex, you'll be this kind of sexless angel. Then let's go to hell! Fi- fi- I know. It's, so, okay, let's unpack it. Because if we read it this way, and it's entirely possible that this is the correct reading, okay? So I'm not saying that it's not. But if we do read it this way, this is the foundation of just about everything wrong with the attitudes towards sexuality in the history of the West. Um, all creating a morality that puts you at war with your biology, creating a set of moral principles that basically say all your instincts are wrong and evil and feel very, very ashamed, which is basically, I mean, Christianity definitely has taken this and read it literally. Right, that well, this is not the way too much because I don't see too many one-eyed, one-handed fellas rolling around. Actually, you make a good point. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so once again, they love to not quite pound, pound, pound. Yes. This is the word, but I don't see any one-eyed, non-jerking, one-handed uh, Christians. <laughs> not a single one of them. Yeah, actually, right now. Uh, that's a very good point. I think that would be a... Hashtag hey, hypocrite yeah. once again for like the 10,000th time, man. Yeah. And, and also, this really feels like Somebody snuck that in maybe fourth century. Well, and that's the thing is like, uh, as far as one of the possible readings of this that would give Jesus a less creepy, weird, repressive vibe to it all is that some people argue that this whole passage, he is joking. 
literally that he's joking because they were essentially saying one of the things that he's saying is that the like the way he opens when he talks about if the you, scribes and the that, Pharisees yeah. he's saying these are people who all live by the law right and they have these really strict laws of behavior and what he's saying is why stop there take it further you know take it to its logical conclusion go even further than that why just limit it to have sex outside of marriage why not make it if you look at a, you know he's basically doing what's known as a reduction ad absurdum which is taking somebody's premise and taking it to the most logical but insane conclusion that follows from that in order to show that this whole emphasis on rule and regulations is bullshit. So if that was the case, the message of everything we just heard is the exact opposite, is lighten up a little bit. And it seems to make the most sense, because, you know, a fellow that hangs out with whores and lepers is not going to be so uptight. Then again, one of the problems with the New Testament is that it's so... Long. Not even, like, Jesus is so damn vague, right? It's all like, the language that he speaks is pretty beautiful most of the time, other than the times when he's suggesting that you chop your dick off. But other than or that... Or kill fig trees. Yeah. The, um, it's very poetic. It tends to be more the language of paradox, of poetry. There's a, But at the same time, precisely because of that, it leaves the meaning rather ambiguous a lot of the time. There are plenty of occasions, which is why I think he's successful, because then everybody attach whatever meaning they want to what Jesus clearly says. Well, Ellie. Hey, it's Jesus. I leave it vague so you can fight over it. <laughs> oh, that was spooky as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so today we have a podcast with a guest after wow. all we thought it was just the two of us if but you're a ghost are you a guest that's the way it is <laughs> so i don't know man it's interesting because if you read it that way then it completely changes the whole meaning of a lot of the new testament where he's uh, and there is this is not just a completely crazy reading because there are passages where Jesus, you know, when, when Jesus is telling you things like, you know, I'm going to live to this, uh, definitely we live up to the strict rules of the Old Testament and then in practice he routinely breaks them. He's obviously doing something that's, uh, unless you want to say that is straight up contradictory slash hypocritical, maybe he's making a point about rules and rules being too tight and relaxing a little bit. Then again, maybe not. Maybe what you see is what you get, and the message is exactly what you're reading. Now, all of this is predicated on the assumption that there actually was this one guy who's saying all these things. And the reality is who the hell knows, because obviously there may be... Let's assume that Jesus really existed, which is a possibility. Did he say all of these things? Did he see some of them and not others? Did somebody else throw in what they wanted? To, you know, of course it's a giant clusterfuck where we don't know. No, we don't even what. have an agreement that Shakespeare actually completely yeah. existed or wrote everything. So totally, totally. So you go back another fourteen hundred years. Now we're getting into some mystical. Uh, yeah, nobody knows. You know, that's just. But by God, the Earth is flat, so y'all get over it. Of course, we are like Jon Snow. We don't know, right? We know nothing. But um, I don't know. I found this one intriguing because, again, if you read it literally, this is pretty much the worst possible message you can give, which is why all this emphasis, and I've read, um, I've read a few people recently emphasizing, again, this idea of like, oh, 
um, sex is this dangerous energy and so it's maybe when we kept it within marriage it was a better idea you know that kind of stuff and he's like well that never worked in the past no. so why in the name of the fact that you let's say you think that there are problems with the sexual revolution or that uh, there and you know of course there are why not there are problems with anything right but the idea that the solution to those problems going is found to by going back into a model that never worked in the first place and did create the very sexual revolution as a reaction to it because it was a shitty model. Yeah. Like this old notion of uh, sex within marriage. So I'm assuming you are advocating having people marry at 12 because that's basically when people start having strong sexual urges and good luck waiting too long after that because, you know, it's not going to be... So I don't know, man. It's interesting, but... Um, well, once again, and it also goes to that notion of, you know, uh, as a species that's been here for a million years, 96% of that, Yogg and Nala, when they saw each other out, there was no worry about what the big man in the sky said. They just acted the way they would naturally. So you're taking creatures that are essentially animals and trying to put top hats and make them ride bicycles. And when you do that... The nature is going to sneak out no matter how you try to restrict them. Most definitely, for sure. And we've been doing it to ourselves, you know, ever since religion kind of came and fucked it all up. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about Chris Ryan's work. Regardless of whether you agree with all of his conclusion or not, his emphasis on, like, he had a beautiful term for that, what he refers to, uh, of his, um, he refers to himself and his work as what he tries to do is being a shame exorcist. <laughs> I love that, you know, I absolutely love that. The idea that all this stuff that has really done major damage to the psyche of human beings, this uh, demonization of sexuality, this sense that sex is something dirty, scary, dangerous. Now, I'm one with awesome, incredible. Yeah. What the, what, the, what the real trick is, is they take like the fringe elements that do terrible Roy Morris sure. sort of things, and they glom that onto it. And a man and a woman that are having a wonderful time together and have a great relationship, there's nothing better than those 12 to 17 minutes you get when the rest of the world fades away and you just make each other feel great. And How awesome is that? A. And B, incidentally, since you brought up the, you know, let's not go down the nasty, weird examples. Yeah. Well, the nasty, weird example in plenty of cases, there's no evidence to show that a more repressive attitude somehow saves you from the nastiness. If anything, you see that even more, right? It's yeah. kind of the classic Ted Haggard example, the I'm going to preach against the evils of homosexuality and masturbation and sex outside of marriage, and then I'll get busted doing math with a gay hooker. Of course. You know, it's like repression never works. Well, and it's those guys that are repressing themselves that seem to have the biggest problems. And and I don't even mean, as we learned from uh, our friend uh, Connor Habib, Mm-hmm. Even the sort of freaky stuff. Mm -hmm. If you're down and your partner's down, all of that is fine too. Yeah. I'm talking about predatory, fringe dwellers, yep. freak monsters. That's what I mean by the freaks. You're a freak if you like. If you and your partner like to spread mayonnaise on each other and that makes everything work, man, fucking go get some mayonnaise. Totally, totally. That's... It's insanity. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I can't even imagine being raised in one of these churches. 
So if you're about to commit a sin, make sure to get a sharp knife because that right hand needs to go, those eyes need to go, and probably south of the eyes, something else needs to be chopped off. Wow. If you're that dedicated, you're dedicated. Yeah. But I'm telling you, friend, maybe think about it for a moment. But yeah, at least I would appreciate the internal consistency. You know, if that's oh, what no, you believe, absolutely. please act on it. Should you be know? a stack of them somewhere. Otherwise, don't just tell us and then don't do it. Practice what you preach. I have a dream today. And now we cross the Ethereum for a visit into Bellelli's dream time. It's dream time. I've been having great dreams lately. Do it out. Well, it just... I found out just recently mm-hmm. that there's something called aphantasia. And um, just there's like two weeks ago... G was reading the article and she was kind of making fun. She's like, there's these people that have no internal visualization capacities. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, if, if, if I say apple, doesn't an apple come into your mind? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's like, can you see what color it is? I was like, oh, yeah, I can change its color and I can see the yeah. speckles. And, oh, now this one has a leaf. And, it. and she's like, yeah, and it's like a picture in your head. I was like, what do you mean picture in your head? She's like, you don't actually visualize the actual object in your head and the answer is no wait wait time out i don't understand if you say that you do see the color and the stuff where do you see it i mean you are seeing an image no there's no image and so i immediately like went to close my eyes and i've known this for a long time i can't see people's faces i can't i have no internal visual Imagery. That must make masturbation really difficult. That's exactly where she went. Yes, exactly. Well, not surprised. But but oddly enough, it doesn't. Huh. Um, Because... Because you hire nude models to enact your fantasy in front of you? Or again, Louis C.K.? If that was the case, you would never have met me, if I could afford that. I see. Um, No. It's a weird sort of thing, because when you talk about the Apple, Apple, I can... The best way I can describe it is like Wonder Woman has her invisible jet. Yeah. So when you say apple, boom, like the physical presence of an apple, that exists in my head. And I can rotate that and I can put a stem on it. Yeah. But there is no picture. And that's what this is. It's it's one in fifty people have this. Weird. Where we have like and then so we got to talking about it. It's like, so if if I say, Oh, we're going to Morro Bay, she says she can literally, even in real time, See Morrow Bay. Yeah, of course. See, of course. No, yeah. of course. I don't see anything. Really? But I still have like, it's almost like I have the blueprints. Weird. But my monitor isn't hooked up. Because when she says Morrow Bay to me, I see the smokestacks and the rock. Not, not yeah, see. Yeah. See is not the right word. I sense. Or I have a... Yeah, because if you see, then you don't have that issue. But I don't, don't see anything. Weird. So, uh, yeah, it is kind of weird. Very, very So bizarre. I find it wildly fascinating. And then, so now I worry about all you people with all these images in your head. How do you get through your damn day? I know. With all these naked women and, 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 and beaches and... That's where uh, multitasking becomes an important part of life. Otherwise... And then how does it exist? When you're talking about seeing in your mind's eye, and that's yeah. what this is about, yeah. um, how, how does it present itself? Is she, Gretchen's like it's a movie. Yeah, it's it like is. It's a clear yeah, movie. It is. And what this article would tell you, people have levels of that too. There's people that have like Sharp. dusty drawings. There's those of us that are completely unhooked at all. But that's what leads me to dream time. When I dream, it is 
8K vivid, complete. To the point now that I know to recognize it, since since she gets early some mornings, I'll kind of you know wake up with her. If I'll slip back into a dream, I was having a weird thing about these little. We have been making fun of the cats because they're essentially fancy velociraptors. Yeah. So I was having like velociraptors, completely visualized. I was like, oh, I've got it, I've got it. But then I woke up. So it's weird because it's like you do visualize very clearly totally. in dream state. Dreams are so realistic. Once, I told you before that I can feel my feet getting cold. Yeah. I see the snowflakes. I can. But once you wake up, whole different story. Yeah. It's almost like it's like in a matrix where the lines sort Strange. of. Strange. Isn't that very crazy? Weird. It's just another great example how. And there's probably more that we don't know about, but how we experience this world in different ways and how memory works in different ways. It seems to me, especially when it comes to like color and things yeah. like that, that I just have, I just make a list of everything, but I don't have, I don't have a little Van Gogh in there painting a picture. I don't have a little Steven Spielberg shooting movies, but I have lots of, I give you all details because she was worried. Weird. She was like, because I really never have been able to visualize it that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody's faces, nobody, even my own children, you know. I can look at pictures and I can tell you all about the pictures I know. But not but see there's something no image. out there. That's so bizarre. I think aliens are about to kidnap you, to probe you in various ways, to well, make tests and find <laughs> out. So I hope they use lube. But I already talked to the, the guy in England who's, uh, who's doing fun in this survey. And I said, you know, I'm willing to help out as long as there's no needles, no minor lobotomies and... Uh, no mutant registries. Yeah, that would be bad. Those are all uh, things that would be troubling. But we, we're not causing too much trouble. And it is one in 50. And I did, you know, reach out and uh, definitely a genetic thing. Really? Yeah. Weird. Someone so above weird. me has it and someone below me has it. So, so weird. Isn't that weird? That is. But And I work in a visual medium. Yeah, totally. But then again, I'm not creating those images. I'm using yeah, yeah. things that I encounter and I put them into order and make them flow. Right. So there's not really capacity for that. But I also love to doodle. I also love to come up with giant tardigards and shit like that. So the Michelangelo thing of like when you stare at this block of clay for three days and then you see the whole statue there already made and ready to shape it. I won't see it, but I might see or might I could image the shape. Like an e I can Right. The invisible outline is there. Huh. Oh. Huh. Anyway, Weird. sorry to hijack the dream. No, thing, but no, no. I found that endlessly fascinating, that and I'm sure there's other folks out there that don't realize they have it. That is so weird. You know, examples like: Can you imagine a ball bouncing down a road? Well, of yeah. course. Right. But I don't see it. But I can tell you, it's a racquetball right now. Right. Oh, it just turned to a bowling ball. Yeah, yeah, but that's purely verbal in a way. That's not uh, a visual part. That's always our. Okay, well. There you go. I hope I'm not shutting myself from society from my oddity. This will probably cause me my presidential candidacy. I but. think um, I'm debating that. <laughs> I think... Uh, Don't report me. The, um, okay, it is a weird one. So I had a quick but bizarre dream. I dreamed there's some kind of a monster chasing me. I don't know what monster it is. In any case, it's some kind of a monster. And I know as I'm running that the goal of the monster is to make sure I never write anything. That oh, I, that monster is all over the place. Oh, yeah. That monster is a powerful rod. And then he chased me for hours. And then finally, at one point, I get tired of it all. Running, 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 running through the night. And I turn around and tell him, you're not real. And then the monster disappears and the dream ends. That's most excellent. Yeah. I was like, that's interesting. Sean Astin tried to convince the kid in Stranger Things too that was being attacked by the 
Cthulian monster to when you face it next time, just turn to it and tell it, you're not real. Yeah. Didn't work too good for No, him. in fact, it's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't try it at home, but yeah. <laughs> uh, at least for the no writing demons seem to work. Then again, I didn't really write shit since then. So maybe it was just a hidden ploy to make me feel that I solved it when I didn't. What's the guy but, with the resistance book? Everything's the resistance. The kill the uh, cat. Or? Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, Scott Pressfield. Scott Stephen Stephen Pressfield. Yes, Steven. and it is everywhere. Yeah. And it is. And man, the internet may be the worst one of them all. I've started oh, yeah. and when when I, you know, like when I'm cutting a podcast or something like that, I will sometimes have the internet open over in the corner, mm-hmm. and I find. When that's the case, a three-hour task can become a seven-hour task. Absolutely. Lickety-split. Absolutely. So I have, I've shut it down. I put the phone up in another room. A phone call I might respond to, but yeah, I don't the fact that uh... every time a text goes off, people reach for their phones, we got to cut that shit down. Someone made the notion that check it in the morning, check it at lunch, right? check it at about an hour before work's over. Well, because, by the way, that's more or less how people respond anyway, because somehow people are always checking shit, but half of the time you don't get responses in a timely fashion anyway, so yeah. you might as well. But, yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, with the phone, I don't have, um, like, I don't use um, the web on the phone at all, because it's like it's already sucking up enough time and energy to, like, forget it on the phone. No way. Yeah. Time for a rant. I'll start with a story. I love stories. A ranty story. Rant away. It's about one of our former guests Uh who shall go unnamed because um, the legality of his actions is dubious. Probably was legal, but who knows? Hard to tell. So we'll leave it there. He was wearing one of our T-shirts. Specifically, While he was illegal activities? Well, that's what prompted the illegal activities. Oh. Or the who knows whether they are illegal or not activities. It's up to... Uh, Sometimes federal versus state is muddy. Uh, not even. I guess it's, a, it's one of those things where it's a self-defense case. case. So it's uh, hard, you know, they can be argued either way sometime. So here what's happening. He's wearing a RQ t-shirt. For those of you guys who have committed a horrible sin of not having one or not having checked it out, the t-shirt is this green t-shirt with this awesome looking, you know, all designed by Savannah. There's this hot, dark-skinned woman, naked, pouring wine that's flowing down her body, and it's dripping off her boobs, and uh, Zen Mon, Mon Kikyu Sojun is uh, drinking the wine that's falling from the woman's boob. All printed on the softest t-shirt material you could possibly hope for. Fellas, stuck for a Christmas present? This will get you late in 2018. It's probably my all-time favorite t-shirt. I love that design. I have it. uh, We made the scroll out of it. And uh, it's literally the first thing I see every morning when I open my eyes is the scroll of that design. I dig it. Um, if I were to get a tattoo, I think I would want it. I was just thinking, it may be time. It's time for the tattoo. I think so, that would be better than the giant yin-yang on the back. Right? We dig that one. Yeah. So this is what that happened. manly arm, you know. Right? The EQ. 
So here is what happens. Our the good hero of our story, our former guest, is happily he's in uh, I wanna say Mississippi, but I forget. Southern state anyway. Walking around with his CQ t-shirt and um he um he perfect southern style. He has a cage with chicken that he just bought to for to have a chicken coop. He's walking around and this one guy, older guy, approach him and say Hey, is that some kind of nigger-loving thing you got there on that t-shirt? Because it better not be, because that shit make us sick to our fucking stomachs out here. And the hero of our tale say, well... Listen here, cracker. Thanks for your opinion, but, you know, whatever. Bye. Turns around, older guy grab him by the shoulder, spin him around, and throws coffee on the t-shirt. Now, throwing coffee on a drunken Taoist t-shirt is a criminal offense. Yes, it is. I hope he bashed him into the ground. So our good man drops the cage with his chicken and let loose a Basruten-style palm strike to the guy's ear that promptly dropped him to the ground, knocking him out. Seems appropriate. He'd been assaulted. Which, by the way, I strongly recommend for punching people. It's always scary business in um, when your hands are not wrapped. It's so easy to... That's why they call it a boxer fracture. It's very easy to break your hands. The badass palm strike... You can do a lot of damage with no... Is it this or is it a swing? I think he swung it around to the ear. Because I was like, this was good to Oh, the that's great. Too. Th- those are, there's never a good place to be hit with a palm strike. So no. palm strikes are great. In any case, he hits it with this scene. The guy drops down. And that already could be a great story as is. Yes. But what a detail that makes it even more fun is that apparently um, he... And a friend of his who was next to him noticed that this happened in front of the guy's family who decided to do this whole thing with all his family around and nobody decided to intervene or anything. Not only that, apparently the guy's wife who was standing there to the side, when he dropped down, she smiled. Now, I'm sure there's a story there. Of course there's a story. This is not the first time this asshole has tried this, but this is probably the furthest it ever went. Exactly. So the fact that she smiled when her husband just got knocked out tells you something about these dynamics. But in any case, (laughs) I thought this was a glorious, glorious story. So the moral of the tale is don't throw coffee on drunken Taoist t-shirts and don't be a a racist asshole so I think those are two good commandments to add so we now have 12 commandments after don't don't be an asshole that should probably just be number one yeah that should probably take care of all the others it really would uh, they all would just become a subset at that point yeah the problem is that it becomes a matter of definition of what constitutes because not too many assholes are saying I'm an asshole and I'm proud you know they all think they are right and they are doing the right thing and all that stuff so that makes it uh, that makes it complicated it is complicated but you know it's I found myself in a bit of a battle with the some more Christian-leading folks just trying to get an explanation mm-hmm. on the, how do you back some of these crazy monsters. And, um, Roy Moore. Yeah. And one guy really just laughed at Oh, there it is. Liberal atheist. Blah, 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 blah. But where my first notion would be roar. Right. It was, that's not the answer. We've discussed this. I just li- What have you done to help children? Well, I help with the Kiva program. I do this, I do yeah. that. With it. You know, list the things off that I've actually done. I've made movies about Darfur. Yeah, you know, yeah. what have you done? You know, you say you preach about of this. Course. Why don't you go in on Sunday and preach 
maybe the pastor doesn't need a mansion, you know? And it was funny where he was just attacking me as being judgmental. It's like, it's not judgmental to point something out. Yeah. Um, by the end of it, it turns out this cat works in uh, helping addicts coming out of prison, which led to the whole PTSD mushroom thing. And now he wants to know all about that. Oh, he that's thinks, funny. He thinks it could really help a lot of guys. Oh, that's hilarious. So that could have been a really ugly discussion and turned into a better one. It was because like, like his second response, it was only like a three yeah. round yeah. battle. But on the second one, he's like, so it's all about Alabama, bro. And when I type my, you know, initially angry response, yeah. it's like, I'm not your bro, bro. Right. But then wisely remove that good idea and i think that simple statement at the front because then it was just like i do this or do that or this or this is what i believe in and at the end of the day i just want people to do better and, turning uh, a hostile interaction into a cooperative one that's yeah good skill right no, there. there's a woman that says it brought tears to her eyes you that, get, that she actually saw that that go down in real time you got a black belt in verbal tai chi i've been working on it for five years or rather typing tai chi but yeah. still good so I, I think we just said it last week you know screaming at people will never get anything and boy no. they're good at pushing your buttons oh, of course and if that shit can make you mad but you gotta be above it and, and i think that's where it's good to know the difference screaming at people because you're having an argument on stuff that's one story uh when somebody throw coffee on your t-shirt that's a different story that's assault that's and a that's thing. where the palm strike comes in no i think it has a lot to do with being closer to 50. Super quick break from the conversation to give a shout out to Vincero, our new sponsor for this episode. These guys produce high quality watches for affordable prices. I'm very much looking forward to getting my own watch, which should currently be making its way to my door while fighting holiday mail. These guys have over 5,000 five-star reviews. So that tells you something right there. On top of that, they offer free first-class shipping and they have a two-year warranty. So check them out by visiting getthewatch.net. So it's three words all back-to-back, getthewatch.net, where you can see their whole stunning collection. If you use the promo code TAOIST, T-A-O-I-S-T, you will receive 15% off your very own Vincero watch. So you can check them out again at getthewatch.net and use the code Taoist. They also have a great collection of women's watches, if you haven't scooped up a nice gift for your lady yet. And if you are a last-minute shopper, no worries, expedited shipping is available. So again, go Find out for yourself at getthewatch.net and use the code TAOIST. So part two of the rant. Rant part um, two. It is something about... To me, this is a super important topic in the way the future may shape up and it's something interesting to consider, which is our whole system of work was built on an industrial model where you have to show up to the factory, clock in, stay there, do the work physically there, clock out, go home. Uh, even when work became less intensely physical, it was still the same thing, where you go to the office, you go to the, you're still clock in, you're at your cubicle, typing away or doing whatever the hell that people do in various offices for eight hours a day, get up, go home. 
that made a little less sense, but it still made some sense. You know, it was harder to get instant communication. It was, you know, you need to see the people you're working with more. Now that model makes less and less sense because the reality is that the technology that we currently have allow us to do an enormous amount of jobs online. You know, there's a lot that you can do online that where you don't need to physically be in an office nine hours a day, uh, especially when we all know that in reality, the amount of productivity you get out of those nine hours is probably the equivalent of two, three good hours of focus. Especially if you have a loudmouth like me next to your cubicles, I'll chat about anything. And then exactly, you are, <laughs> you're killing time. You know, you're playing and you're killing time. So to me, it's like part of the problem with that is that why do I think you would be great for more and more people, more and more offices, more and more businesses to start allowing their workers to hardly ever show up? Yeah, twice and, a week at the most. Yeah, or whatever, you know, of course, different jobs require different degrees of physical presence. But in certain cases where you really don't have to be there that much. Why would that be cool for for multiple reasons? On one hand, people have more time to, you know, spend time with their kids. And yeah, maybe you're home working, but at least you can pick up your kids from school. They are there with you. You don't need a babysitter, all that shit. You can have more time for other things you want to do. If the the idea is, hey, you just need to get me the quality work done. I don't care how long you take. That's great. So you're highly motivated to produce high quality work in little time so that you can have the rest of the time to go to the beach or do whatever the hell you want to do. And get the same pay. Absolutely. Because it's based on quality of work and uh, quality and quantity of work, but not quantity of hours you spend doing it. So if you are more efficient, great. You just saved up more hours for the rest of your life that you can dedicate to your hobbies. You can dedicate to your kids. You can dedicate to anything else. So that's awesome. Never mind the fact that our cities are designed where, you know, why is real estate so expensive in some places more than others? A lot of the time is because there are jobs close by. You know, some of the coolest places on earth are really cheap because nobody can live there because there are no jobs. You know, you have three tourist jobs there and that's it. The rest of the the entire economy is based on tourism. Everything else, if you want to do anything else, is like, well, I would love to live here but I have to live in the stupid city down there where all is ugly and gray because that's where the jobs are. Well, again, who said that? That made sense during time of an industrial economy. You can thank Henry Ford for all that. Now maybe you can be up on a mountain, skiing, doing your stuff, and then plug into the net, get your three hours of work, get a whole day of work done that way, and it's fine, and that's not a problem. So to me, that's... But it's more than just the future of work. It's the future of free time. It's the future that will affect interpersonal relationship. It's the future that affects where we live, both cities versus maybe you live in another place. Maybe you, you know, it just gives so much more freedom to human beings to shape up a life that they want to, as opposed to just being purely an extension of uh, office furniture that just goes in, does the work and... Having said all that, which I do think that these things are huge, right? I mean, even when we're talking, uh, I think it was in a couple of podcasts ago, when we're talking about Sebastian Younger, the fact that there's so little community in modern life. Well, these may be the kind of stuff that free up the time so that you can spend more time with other human beings, with communities that you choose to be part of. Well, in my interactions just yesterday, I found that there is a 
a good number of good Christian folks that don't like to see how the bad ones are acting that would be perfectly willing to work with good non-religious folks for the same goals. Can you imagine how awesome that would be? Yeah, I mean, there is a real chance to create like-minded communities. Yes. Now, it is also the problem with what I just said, okay? Because I'm not so... I'm not so delusional as to think that you make one change and then it only leads to positive transformation and no negatives because there would be problems. Sure. Start with the fact that, like, for example, I'm ambiguous about this when it's applied to universities because while I definitely enjoy teaching online because I want to have more freedom in my life, most of school is not just the course material and turning in the papers and the, the bulk of the experience is in the interaction the with interaction the other with people. all these meet. other people that are learning the same things and that is the best part. I think that is really the core of it yeah, all. Absolutely. And that in that sense, even the office, when you think about it, especially in American life, where else do you meet people? Nowhere. Unless you meet it's a people, bar. You, exactly. You meet people when you go to school, you meet people through work. Yeah. That's primarily how you meet people. So in the short run, this will create problems because this will create even more alienation, even more sense of loneliness, even more being people glued to their computer twenty four seven. I think we're breaking through that, man. I really think it's kind of turning I think like this whole Sunday assembly concept of Well, know. and that becomes the issue is if you just do stuff online. Yes. Well, that's great because you have more time, but it creates even more alienation and loneliness because you are removing even further the face to face element from human interaction. Yeah. That's a problem. And again, as much as I see the advantages of online, I do see the problems. So the solution is that you can't just switch stuff to online. You need to switch stuff to online and create opportunities for people to create their own chosen community. So as opposed to having the quote-unquote community of the 20 assholes at your job, or 19 of them you may not even like, and yep. one is like, I'll pick the least annoying one to be my friend, I guess. But, you know, you have a choice to... You know, participate in more activities that may bring like-minded people that you may click with better than just purely the people that you're randomly happen to find in an office. It could be awesome if, if you're reducing those hours of work. Yeah. Maybe since you kind of still owe that time, maybe four days a month are collected together and you can go work for anything you want to you could go work in a school you could go sure. help out and you know the corporations look good because they're providing these hours for people and people get to go do what they want to do and Imagine the stuff you that. enjoy too yes you know what i mean is like you want to spend uh, you go to jujitsu you go to rock climbing with people you yeah. go and you meet people who like rock climbing you meet people who like jujitsu you meet people who like you the things you enjoy ref. you want to teach you know? kids how to totally. play the, the the fiddle you know all these things we have a glut of human capacity that we waste. Yeah, I mean, because that the current model is basically, regardless of how you slice it, a lot of it is a waste of time. Which really, when you think about it, what that means is a waste of life. Yeah. Because if you are wasting people's time and energy, you are wasting life. So, well, did you hear what um, Sean Cassidy's last words were? So much wasted time. Yeah, I mean that's the reality, you know. And so the. I mean, despite the fact that I do see the potential problems with this and they kind of terrify me when I look more and more at the shift to online teaching in, uh, in education, I see a lot of downsides for it. 
um, I'm also intrigued with what can be created with this model, with you know the, the time and energy that it frees up, what it can be used for. Because again, if you just freeze up time and energy, that may not necessarily be a good thing by itself. But if it frees up time and energy that then you can invest into creating something better than the current relationships you run into at the office, then it's, this is the coolest opportunity in human history. You know, where we got all the benefits of modern civilization without all the crap that has led to the current state of depression and alienation that's so incredibly popular amongst most human beings. I saw some crazy stuff about the next level of these self-driving vehicles. Mm -hmm. First of all, lots of jobs will go away. Sure. But the other interesting thing is, if you have a self-driving vehicle, well, cars will probably become different things. If you have to be somewhere and it's going to take you 41 minutes, well, why not get in the self-driving gym Right, <laughs> exactly. So Where you can you're work like out while you're on the road. Or if you haven't and slept and it's going to be, well, then you can get on this four-compartment sleeper car that of will course. drive you. I mean, the whole nature of the way we use our time absolutely, could really be done a lot better. So I'm intrigued because our the structure of our society clearly hasn't caught up with the technology. No. You know, the, we are going by a model that made sense in the 1950s that does not make sense today. So I do hope that more and more businesses start catching on this idea and allow people to just, hey, as long as you get stuff done and it's done well, it's all I care about. You want to take one third of the time to get it done? Pfft, good for you. You know, that doesn't bother me. You want to do it while you're sitting on the beach? Does not bother me. What I care about is quality yeah. and get the job done on time. That's it. I think we should be careful about the, what you said about the colleges, though. Especially, I think online's great maybe for folks that already have jobs. Yeah. But if you're 19 to 24, go to school and interact and mix and, and meet people you didn't know so you can find awesome new points of view you never even knew were available and that's the other thing like to me let's apply to school so for example you want to do all a bunch of online classes okay i like the freedom sure i get it at the same time i would almost require if you if you do just about every single online i would like the idea of at least do summer or winter a retreat where you spend two months 24 7 or a month or whatever many weeks but a good chunk of time yep. 24 7 with a bunch of other kids your age who are there to do some of the face-to-face -face part of the work. Or maybe the lab work that's required for things. That yeah, but maybe you just offer these sessions that, you know, for people who really dig that, maybe you have, you know, six sessions a year of two months each. But really, that you have to do, maybe you only have to do one of those. You spend two months in one place, you are there, you can, you can rent a place for two months, that's not a big deal. And then the rest of the year, you can live anywhere you want. So you get the best of both worlds that way because it allows the freedom, time and energy and being somewhere else, but also it put people in the same physical space. So you, you do get to meet each other. You do get to connect with other humans that otherwise you wouldn't and everything else. These rants are too positive. People are going to get bored with this. Why? All, this all this positivity, man. What's going on? I think is. 2020, lightly for presidents now, except I'm not a citizen <laughs> and except I have too many skeletons and except, you know, yeah, about other than that. Yes. Secretary of State. Good.
For a long time, one of my favorites, it's story time. Story time, indeed. We've had a lot of great ones. The Caesar one and the Pirates, I tell that everywhere I go now. That's just such a great, epic, Tis about a story. giant, bald, asshole awesomeness. That's how you become Caesar. Yeah, that is. You don't become Caesar by being a normal guy. I obviously don't want it bad enough. Yeah, that's the... i happy with my farm. Right. Anyway, where are we going today? Um, we'll take an assist. Not the first time we do, by the way. It's the, uh, probably the second or third from uh, another podcast. I love this guy. Uh, Sebastian Major has this podcast called uh, Our Fake History. Mm-hmm. And he's really damn good because uh, his episodes are like 40 minutes to an hour long. So he's a little shorter than the super long form that... You know, not only what Carlin does, which is complete insanity, his six hours marathon, but even my stuff more on the two hour range. Uh, but it packs great stories, always intriguing with good evidence. They're always fun. And this one, I was listening to this series he recently did about the history of rock and roll. His whole thing was the who created rock and roll, you know, who was the first one. And of course, there's no single answer because when you dig deep enough, Everybody influenced one another. They had an extra element. And where exactly do you draw the line between what's considered rock and what's like a close cousin? It's not that easy. But there is some little black band that happened to use distortion well, th- in the recording. And I've seen it then. I can't remember the name no, of that No, there, there are a bunch. And that's like, so he has, I strongly recommend there are these two episodes about the whole thing. And he leads you. He looks like this is it. And then it's not quite it. And you go down the next one. And you, you keep doing it. But... He also has a, a playlist on YouTube for all the songs that he referenced, which of course he can play on the podcast for copyright reasons. Yeah. But he, um, so super funny stuff. And some of the stories about the early pioneers of rock and roll are just brilliant. I'll just throw a couple out there. But one that's, um, well, one, this is, is not really the start, but a guy who definitely was an early pioneer was Muddy Waters. Yes. Uh, by the way, I love the names back then where you had Muddy Waters, Howling Wolf. You got guys who clearly were... Uh, sure puts Marilyn Manson. To yeah, see. there's uh, no Joe, whatever the fuck. It's like it, you go for some poetic things. Yeah. I dig those. But Muddy Waters, I mean, he's... Part of the reason why people don't consider him rock per se is because he's clearly a blues musician in a lot of ways. And yet, again, the boundary between blues and rock is where the whole thing begins. And it's hard to draw. But I ran into this song um, by Muddy Waters called uh, Champagne and Reefer. That was brilliant. The lyrics, I mean, when you think that this was played, what, in 1950s, 40s, something like that, probably. There's some, it begins with. Yeah, bring me champagne when I'm thirsty, bring me reefer when I want to get high. And then later he says, uh, well, you know, there should be no law on people that want to smoke a little dope. And, uh, you know, it's good for your head. It relaxes your body. Don't you know? Uh, Every time I get high, I lay my head down on my baby's breast. Uh, Well, you know, I lay down, be quiet, trying to take my rest. It's it's awesome. I mean, the whole thing is just hilarious to listen. Oh, there's a final line, which a lot of people would have been wise to listen to. This is actually the educational part of Muddy Waters, yeah, where yeah. it would have been quite useful. Um, it says, um, I'm going to get so high this morning, it's going to be a crying shame. But then he adds, well, you know, I'm going to stick with my reefer. Ain't going to be messing around with no cocaine. 
which a message from deep in the past the, that would have been very useful to a lot of people because <laughs> while in the 80s for sure while a little weed won't kill anybody the same thing cannot be said about cocaine so so at what point should we just read cut that in a rap version and just right rake it in it's awesome i like your idea that idea I may think be erased should. from the podcast because <laughs> it's too good right? someone will do it that would be great <laughs> yep it's brilliant i dig it so who else you got on that muddy waters list well on some of the other things that are really genius one lady was considered this must be the one with with the yes the godmother of rock and roll uh sister rosetta tarp she was in the 1930s and i mean some people don't consider her rock and roll technically because she was more coming from a gospel background and some of the you know a lot of it is however you see this african-american lady from the 1930s shredding the electric guitar to the point that it's like did i even have electric guitar in 1930 how the hell is and she's just some parts they look and sound like rock there's no argument i mean the Check this lady out, Sister Rosetta Tharp. Tharp is T-H-A-R-P-E. See her do her thing and tell me if that's not the precursor to rock because that's just brilliant. And I do believe she was the one that uh, uh, an amplifier, something was wrong with it. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, I think, I think it wasn't her. It wasn't her? But I it think was it was that, somebody else. Along those lines, so it was an early electric guitar player, but yeah, the yeah, amp yeah. got fuzzy. And there was, it was the uh, first distortion. Exactly. And then the producer was like, I dig it. I love it. Uh, let's use it. Yeah, yeah. That's a story that actually Sebastian mentions in the I knew there was a woman somewhere. Series. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This was a different group. It was a band, the one you're referring yeah. to, but well, I it forgot. It shows you, you know, that nobody really invents anything by themselves. Check out, speaking of a connection with another artist, you know, one of the guys who has been hinted at as a, was he the first rock and roller? Uh, was Little Richard. Um, Now, the problem with Little Richard is that he recorded his stuff kind of late because the stuff was recorded in 1955. However, he performed it live long before that. So there's an argument there about... But the one story that's hilarious about Little Richard that uh, Sebastian brings up in the podcast is the one song that probably put him on the charts more than any other. Tutti Frutti? Tutti Frutti, of course. The... I don't know if you know the story, but it's Hit me. hilarious. Uh, what happens is some producer kind of signed him up to record some stuff, and they had the day for working in the studio and see what they can get done today. And they work through the morning, and it's okay. You know, it's not bad. Nothing original, nothing inspiring, nothing new. So the guy's like, okay, okay, let's tear it up. So he takes the musicians down to the strip bar where they have lunch, they get a little inebriated and little Richard at one point they have a piano at the strip bar so he just goes up to the piano and start playing Tutti Frutti which was the song that he had been playing just as a kind of random off the wall thing that he would do in live performances but never even thought that that would be recording material the producer is like holy shit this is it you know this is but we have a problem the original lyrics of Tutti Frutti are definitely not something that you can get away in 1950. Oh. You can barely get away with it now. Got a little muddy waters in there. It's so 
sexually explicit. It's not even funny. Do those lyrics exist? Yes. There's the, the open. I, I don't have the exact lyric in front no, of no, me, but, but the I'll open is something like, you know, after Rita Richard does his all uh, sounds, basically, because there are no yeah. words, whatever he's saying. Uh, rather than saying tutti frutti, the original saying was good booty. Ah. And the next few lines are all about basically possibly just sex, more likely anal sex in specific. And he has all these lines That's about... That's what the is all about. <laughs> and he say like, you know, <laughs> if, uh, if it doesn't fit, don't push too hard. But something basically said, use some lube and all will be fine, right? Wow. And that's the and so the guy was like, okay, this song is perfect, but we cannot record it with your lyrics. There's just no way. <laughs> so they called this lady Dorothy Labostri or some there's some token random guys on her last name. They call her, she's a local songwriter, and they say, okay, we need new lyrics now because we have the studio time is running out. We need it. She finished writing them with 15 minutes to go of recording time. They do three takes on Tutti Frutti and that's it. And that's what, and that and becomes. And one of those was the one? Yeah. And that becomes the. I love stories like that. One of the ultimate song that will influence the 1950 and music afterwards. So, but yeah, the original lyrics were about good asses and sex. So that's the. Um, I totally approve of all that. Yeah. So that was hilarious. That's Little Richard. And the similar kind, well, not nearly as outrageous. And non Oh, before I go into the next one. A funny connection there about the nobody that sings on their own. It is how things start with Little Richard. Let's go back to Miss Sister Rosetta Tarp. She was about to do a concert and she's uh, going into the venue and she, she sees this kid outside singing. Really good singer. And she's like, man, you're awesome. You need to come up with me on stage. I want to do something with you. The guy's like 14, 15, something like that, right? Steve and Wonder? he has never sung outside of a church. And he's like rather shy about it. She convinces him, goes on stage. The guy was Little Richard. Whoa. So speaking of a connection of how they build on top of each other, you know, you hear all these electric guitar shredding lady, Sister Rosetta Tarp, having a big role in Little Richard's career, and then Little Richard then spurring it on for other people to... And that brings us to Elvis. Uh, 1954 is when... Very similar story to the Little Richard story, in the sense that he goes to record. This is long after, by the way. Those of you guys who have been trying, 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 only to meet with failure time and time again. Remember what people told Elvis, when literally a producer told him, make sure you stick to track driving because you're never going to make it as a singer. You can't listen to those folks. It's, I mean, can you imagine? It's the same thing as the lady, I forget if it was a lady or a man, but some basketball coach in high school who they didn't recruit, they, Michael Jordan didn't make the cut for the varsity team in high school to play. Wow. Elvis Presley told, you're never going to make it as a singer. It's everybody. You Here's the shit. remember, if you don't step up to the plate to swing, you will never hit. Yeah. You and, can fail. And it doesn't matter how good you are. You're going to hear these things no matter what. No, I mean, Garth Brooks took his self back to Oklahoma after a few years in Nashville with his tails between his legs. And, yep. And then he came back. Yep. That's how it is. That's so in any case. Talking about crazy recording yeah. studio story. This is just real quick. And I know it's a sure. complete tangent, but the highwayman, Willie Nelson, uh -huh. Johnny Cash, Waylon Jennings, and Chris Christopherson. Yep. 
had been in the studio for a while, but they still didn't, they didn't even know what their name was yet. Right. And apparently, as time was running out, late in the middle of the night, somebody pulled this old song, The Highwayman, out. Mm-hmm. And um, they were like, that's it! That's the name. But it was missing a final verse, because there's four of them, only had three verses. So, much like you said, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson step off to the side. I don't know if this is true. It could all be just rumor. But put the last verse together where I fly a starship and uh, make one of the greatest country music songs of all time. And I do believe those were like one and two takes. And that's on one well. of uh, one of the things that if Sebastian breaks up is that part of it, who knows how much is legend, how much is reality. But in just about every other story like this, there's this sense that it's happening by chance. It's happening by magic. It's never part of a plan. It's always part of like some weird magic. And, and the Elvis thing is the same one, right? She, he gets into the recording studio. They record some stuff. Eh, it's okay. It's nothing great. It's fine. He has a good voice, yeah. but there's nothing there. And then they take a break because everybody's getting frustrated and stuff. And he starts just fucking around with the music and start playing That's All Right, Mama. And the lady's like, stop everything is. right now. This is, is the this is the thing. They record that, which become his first huge hit, which is Rock and Roll magazine, mistakenly, according to Sebastian Major, and considering the evidence he lays out, probably he's right in that assessment. Rock and Roll magazine considered that's all right, Mama, the birth of rock and roll. Uh, not really, because there's so much evidence that there were guys before doing stuff that was you can argue that it was rock i think it might be the egg but the chicken was before it yeah totally and i mean and i think elvis too he said it explicitly that he said look i didn't invent anything new i did what some lot of black guys were doing before me and i added my own spin just like eminem will tell you just like elvis of course make black music so successfully hey and really good at it right so it's uh, good for him but yeah not exactly inventing per se but more but either way all of these stories were all brilliant you know he goes into the whole chuck berry little richard elvis uh muddy waters howling it's I love all of it. It's a great, uh, so for music lovers out there, check out the podcast. It's uh, called Our Fake History. A couple of the latest episodes. I don't think he's the very latest one. Oh, he gave me an idea, by the way. He's doing doing a series on Miyamoto Musashi, the samurai, Uh that uh, is one of the most requested topics for History on Fire. So I I was going to tackle it anyway, but now I'm uh, listening to Sebastian Duini's take on it. So I'm like, oh, great. You've done some legwork there. (laughs) That's awesome. I'm going to listen and get ideas there. But It's funny, uh, Fats Domino died not too long ago. Of course, he brings up Fats Domino. And I went back and, oh my God, so many great songs. Yep, and some people consider that the first rock and roll song, The Fat Man by Fats Domino. Man, that stuff's great. Go listen to those records, guys. It'll inspire you. Good stuff. And last but not least, I want to throw it out there. This is not a story. This is just, if you are into music, uh, Bo Diddley, of course. There's this one thing, the Bo Diddley beat, that then has been used by everyone and their grandmother since... You know, if you listen to songs by The Who, that's exactly Bo Diddley. If you listen to songs by 
everybody has that same thing. Exactly. 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 That one is, you know, if you think about like 1980s song, the I Want Candy. Yeah. That's the same one. That's the, you know, there are probably 20 songs that use that beat exact. Maybe 20,000. Yeah. No, I mean 20 just super famous one, let alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's um, it's a great groove. What can you do? Yep. It gets the people up and making them dance, and that's what you're doing it for anyway. Bo Deedly. Good stuff. Jesus would want you to dance. Well, the funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. I thought that was a good one. A lot of positivity. I think uh, perhaps the recent election has shifted our view a little bit to, to, to rekindle some of that hope. I'm trying, man. I think, like, I tend to bitch too much. I mean, to, I notice that about myself, that I tend to... I'm too quick at finding the negative in things. And not that usually some of the things I see are not there, but the point is, okay, after you see that a problem is a problem, then what? Unless you use that information to turn it into something good, what the hell is the point? Yeah, I guess that was a discussion two or four episodes back. I've been trying to do the same thing. There's no reason when someone says something you don't like, you're wrong. You suck. Yeah, of course, because it's we're like, not going to get anywhere that way. I mean, then we might as well just keep it apart, just throw the knives directly, and just go at it. Because yeah. it's like, what's the point? So yeah, man. Common ground exists in weird places. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a key thing to be able to find it. That's a key talent right there. So having said that, which is always a good reminder and a good point. Um, Let me say just real quick, Kiva.org. $92,000 in loans our fine listeners have helped us build over the past three and a half years. Check that out. So, so as for you sponsors out there, people do react if you provide them something they want. And these folks aren't even really getting anything other than a good feeling. Yeah, sweet. I like it. And neither are we in that sense because it's not like we're sponsored by Kiva. We do it just because it's a cool thing. I, I went and met them. It's the real thing. My daughter is desperately trying to get... She's doing her internship there while she works at her new right. real job. Because uh, she believes too. So. She likes the gig. Yeah. Awesome. Good folks, good ideas, and uh, a fun way to help people. Sweet. So I hear uh, I hear there's some trouble with our friends at Amazon. Yeah. I mean, Amazon is a little strict, apparently, regarding... There's uh, a lot of people the, getting this lately, yeah, too. I've heard it. The language that you can use to mention that we have an Amazon link. We're explicit. We're allowed so to swear. I, <laughs> I don't... I don't, oh, not you that know, I'm kind of confused by now by exactly what constitute what they refer to as incentivizing language and what's okay to say. So let's just leave it as we have an Amazon link. You know what to do. Done. And if you want a better life, you'll go use... Oh, wait. No. Okay. <laughs> cool. So other than that, uh, thank you to our sponsor. Yeah. That's Usara on it and Sure Design. Yes. Um, I'm getting a blue beanie for Christmas. That's always good. Hemp made. Yeah. Glorious uh, Datsusara stuff. Um, Savannah just got some new kettlebells 
to train for the, the gorilla moment. one. Yeah, there's uh, there's some solid ones. So there's. Uh, How do you like that? I heard the the main thing is don't get to swing in too crazy. That you, well, kettlebells. You to, it's about maintaining control. Yeah, it's not kettlebells. Like you need to learn well. Yeah. Um, because I mean, with any weights, really. Yeah. Once with you any get that weight in motion, you can tear yourself up. But definitely with kettlebell swings, uh, because there's momentum behind it. Yeah. If you have poor alignment, is a bad idea. So you want to make sure you learn how to do it and start really light. Yeah. That's why on it has some of these sets of kettlebells that start you really light, which is great to first master the movement. Do it with no weight. Do it with minimal weight. You know, once you can do it in your sleep, then start adding heavier and heavier weight. That's fine. But I would really emphasize form, which is true for all weightlifting exercises. Form is way more important than how much can you lift, bro? You know, that's not the point. That's actually how people hurt themselves. So much better to lift the lighter with no injuries that put too much and screw yourself up. I found my dusty lost battle mace recently. Those are awesome. God, they're fun. They are. Shovel the snow. Swing around. Swing the axe. It's just, and uh, I don't know about the kettlebells, but great instructional videos. Yeah. A lot of them, Aubrey himself. Well, that's the other thing about Onnit is that they have a ton of material for their uh, more athletically driven uh, component of Onnit. Yeah. Uh, they have a lot of instructional material that it's free. Uh, they have some that's not free, but they have plenty that is free. There's, so, a, ba- there's, a, there's a battle mace thing that it, it runs like 18 minutes yeah, and well, will whip great. your ass. It's absolutely but great. But you just turn so, it on and do it with them, and it's fun. Yep. So you can, you know, just check out the the videos just for knowledge sake and actually learn how to do the exercises correctly, and then you can get the goods and work at it. So you are into your New Year's resolution. Here you go. Yeah, That's sure. one option. Um, you guys know, speaking of New Year and Christmas and stuff, uh, Taoist lecture series is up there. Uh, Not afraid. The audiobook is up at um, the link is in the episode notes. If you are in the market for chocolate, get Coracao chocolate, one of our affiliates out there. Um, is Audible still with us? Audible, I'm confused. <laughs> I don't know. I, um, I think uh, they flipped the script on me because I'm hooked. So now they're like, yeah, we got you. Good luck. Yeah, it could be. I can't remember. (laughs) Um, Daisy House Music, thank you so much for the awesome Drunken Taoist team. We are not going to screw up anybody's name because it's Christmas. No, kidding. Just because um, we are recording back to back episodes. So I don't have a list of people. I'll have a longer one next month. In 2018. Yes, in 2018, indeed. Didn't that's, seem like we were going to make it for a few minutes, but unless there's a surprise ex- encounter with a certain North Korean peninsula. Right. No, 2018, it shall be. So it's going to be a good year. It's going to be positive 2018. Ready to kick ass. Yeah, I am as well. <laughs> And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. 
And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See you all soon. Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about, translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky.